The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth. But no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. One of my least favorite things to do, I'm doing it right now. One of my least favorite things to do is pull up Find My iPhone. Because generally when I pull up Find My iPhone... I look to the East Coast and I see our daughter, Amelia, who's in Manhattan. Then I look all the way over to the West Coast and I see Hayden, our eldest, who's in San Francisco. And if you're a parent, most of you are a grandparent. Uh, you know that that's uh, a double-edged sword. But today it's a little bit better because not only can I find Hayden on my Find My iPhone screen right here in Raleigh. He's literally across the desk from me. Hi, Hayden. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. Welcome back, yes. deserter. I'm still a deserter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't feel like a deserter, do you? No. That's just how you're perceived no, by mom and dad. I, you know, if anything, it feels like moving was the homecoming part. Oh, see, but. just drive the dagger in a little deeper. So it was July 29th, 2020, when you were last on the show. Yeah, I know. I, I used to be every... Every five years, and then now, now it's been three. <laughs> and then you produced the show. A lot of people don't know that. You were yes. You were my Josh there for a while, but you actually answered phones, too. It's, yes. Going way back to when you were working at Chick-fil-A, because that's what you do as a good homeschooler. But Josh has a cool hat, and I had like a bowl cut, so I think he's right, already right. got it. He's surpassed yeah. you already. He's doing good. Anyway, the last time you were in here, July 29, 2020, uh, you were getting ready to move to San Francisco. That didn't quite go according to plan. We were planning a five- or six-day dad and son drive across the country, which would have been awesome until you broke your foot. Yeah. And then you were stuck on the couch for yeah. like six weeks. I broke it skateboarding because I don't skateboard. Right, yes, even though you're moving to California and now you live there, so you have to work on that. Okay, so let's recap because a lot of people probably didn't know, and, and a lot of our friends, as you know, and, and I've shared this on the air before, reacted uh, with strange looks on their faces when we told them that you were going to be moving to San Francisco. But most people, uh, Christian-type folks here in the Southeast, that makes almost no sense unless you have to. But let's go back to that. And, and, uh, and why San Francisco for you? Take us down the road of how you ended up choosing and, and feeling led to move there. Yeah, um, that evolved a lot over time. Um, initially... Uh, I, I grew up loving Star Wars out of nowhere. Just, <laughs> you know, right. no, none of my parents were into it. Right, um, zero. And uh, they, they make that over there in the Bay Area. And so uh, when I went to college, I started looking into it a little bit. And I figured that there was a good chance I'd probably uh, live there at some point if I wanted to work on Star Wars. And that's still something I'd love to do. Um, but... Uh, so throughout college, that was kind of it was kind of a career thing, and San Francisco, as people know, is big uh, tech hub. And I work in video games, which is like tech but more fun and less harmful. Um, and so, so over time, uh, I kind of was doing research and learning, and then I decided that I was going to find try to find a church because finding 
a church in San Francisco did not seem like an easy task. And I knew I could be <laughs> years away, but might as yes. well connect now. And so I listened through podcasts of various churches. And when was that? Do you recall what year it was? I mean, you were you moved in 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that was in 2017. Yeah, so pretty far ahead of the curve. Early, yeah, early 2017. My goal was to move by the time I was 30, and I think I was 20 then, something like that. Yeah. Um, so... So yeah. at first, it was just a matter of Star Wars first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we love Jesus and your priorities are right. Exactly. Yeah. And then and then Star Wars and then just video game industry tech in general yeah. out there. Yep. Uh, at some point, did you begin to look at San Francisco outside of that context as a city, a city that from our, posi- our position here in the, in the Bible Belt, a lost city, a Sodom and Gomorrah, people will throw that around, a Babylon. Uh, how did you look at it? Uh, Besides the tech stuff. I mean, I just knew that it had a giant red bridge and that it got brought up when, like, anything new and liberal started there. So that was pretty dismissive of an attitude. Yeah. But um, it turns out that things are a lot more complicated than that. (laughs) Yeah, generally. And so at some point before you move there, do you feel like you you had kind of a – uh, instead of a, a personal business mission, did you ever feel like, well, maybe the Lord would actually have you live in San Francisco? Yeah, so that's where the church situation came in. Uh, came in. I found uh, my church, Reality SF, on uh, on Yelp and started following along. <laughs> and I was like, hey, this is really this is really great stuff. So I started listening along, and I went back to their back catalog. They started in 2010, so it was seven years of back catalog at that point. And I just listened through all of the sermons from week one. All of them. All of them. And um, they, yeah, it, I mean, it was kind Pastor of like. Pastor Dave Lomas. Yeah, who was, who was on, on recently. show right after you got married, after he performed, which was uh, truly a unique wedding ceremony. Yeah. Uh, 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 an unforgettable wedding ceremony, given the fact that it was right down on the water and the water was involved when it rained for seven minutes. And then, which I mentioned before, uh, the best marriage message I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, that's just Dave. Pastor Dave Lomas, who's amazing. Yeah, so he's fantastic. And so I just, I got this really quick, um, like life flashing before your eyes sort of thing of Hmm. the whole life of the church as it was growing and dealing with, hey, here's some of the problems. Here's here's what it's like to live here, basically, um, as a Christian, uh, which we will get into. But um, that for me, I started to realize that uh, the person that I am and the kind of strengths and weaknesses and all that that I have it felt like this is was really tailored um for me to live for me to live there and so i just dealing with the the triumphs and the lows of the church's story for me i felt this deep sense of association and camaraderie with that mm. and uh, as I got to know the culture of San Francisco a little bit better from afar, I was like, this is this is a place I need to be. I, I love it here in Raleigh. I tell people, you know, if I weren't in California, I would I would just come back. Um, but I I really feel uh, very at home. Come, come, or coming up on the break. So what's one of your strengths that you think is particularly well suited for a Christian living in San Francisco? Uh, I'm really good with nuance. And uh, people in San Francisco see a lot of news about people like me, <laughs> and being able to communicate yes. with nuance is very important. Yes, cross-cultural communication, yep. so to speak. 
We're going to pick it up there. A Christian living in San Francisco. A lot to talk about with my special guest, Hayden Noble. We'll be right back. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Absolutely the best bump music in all of Christian radio. There's no question about that. Hands down. If you disagree, Steve at thestevenobleshow.com. I'll be happy to dialogue with you. Yeah, you're, you're trying to say something. Uh, our eldest, Hayden Nobles, in the house today, back from San Francisco for a few days, a big weekend. Uh, Paxton's second birthday party's tomorrow. Caroline, our youngest, her big dance gala tomorrow night. We got a lot going on this weekend. Nice. So it's nice when you come in from San Francisco, your sister's flying down from Manhattan, and we'll all be together this weekend, which is awesome. Yep. It's a good time. Uh, so, so San Francisco, Star Wars video game industry, but then reality San Francisco with Pastor Dave Lomas. And then that, that, that started, would you say that's what developed kind of this uh, a, a kingdom mindset towards the city? Like, what was that like for you? Yeah. No, that, that's, that's exactly, exactly it. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of problems with San Francisco, which I don't think I need to tell your audience. But we'll get into that a little bit because yeah. it's, it's, we're sold one thing. To go there and experience it is not altogether the yeah. same. Yeah. Uh, and I've been there twice in the last year, so, and I'm pretty cynical, but, as you know. But, you know, San Francisco is a place that people go who are searching. Hmm. Um, it's also go, a place where people go to make a lot of money and then leave. But, right. Um, those that are not doing that, more obviously, are people that are searching. So you don't have a whole lot of people there that are actually invested in the city. No. That's one of the biggest because what's the deal like at your church at reality san francisco how big is it because I'm, people will be shocked by how many people basically go through the doors every year yeah we're we're so we're like 1400 strong or something and we we gain and lose 500 every year every year yeah and that's not because our church is full of turmoil or something right. and there's always a new scandal and people just don't know about it that's not true it's just that people are moving in and they're moving out we've had to kind of adapt a mindset, oh my goodness! You know, considering that, and it can create a weird class system. Honestly, not just in our church, but in San Francisco, of the people that are going to stay and invest, and the people that are just going to bounce after yeah. they've you know hit the next career level. So there's a lot of takers. There are a lot of takers. Dave, um, my pastor, talks a lot about mining versus farming, mm. and how San Francisco has been a mining city that people just they show up and booms and busts. Financial tech, gold rush. Um, he talked about that in the series at the beginning of the year, mining yeah. versus farming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's, I talked to him about that when he was that's on That's a show. repeat motif, and I brought that up to city political folks who really love that too. So I'm, I'm hoping that that can catch on because we need a lot more a lot more farmers. Yeah, mining, you dig in the ground, you take out what's worth, and you leave. Farming, yeah. you're investing. It's seasonal. You plant, you water, you wait for the harvest, then you do it again. Yeah. Mining, you don't. it doesn't matter how you leave it. Mm. That's such a great point. So let's let's move on to this. You mentioned it. People's perspective of San Francisco. There's certainly the kind of the CNN left perspective, which it's uh, it looks like it's just uh, you know incredible. has has some problems, but other than that, and then the right, of course, uh, you can't walk down a city street in San Francisco without dodging uh, defecation and needles and homeless people. Uh, so so which is it? Um, and I've been there twice in the last year, so I do have an opinion on this. But but from your perspective, going out there and what you hear, like how do you process that? 
it well it's it's annoying because it's complicated so the answer is is neither and um i mean yeah it's a complicated place and the way that you choose to frame it can make people think it's totally totally different than it is so let me flip that back around then so you're you're somebody that did not spend time in San Francisco before I moved there. Mm-hmm. So can you share a little bit about your experience, what you heard versus what, what you saw? Well, there's all kinds of – there's the assumptions in San Francisco and California in general politically and spiritually. That, that, that's been a part of the American conversation on the right for decades. So there's nothing new there. San Francisco as a city, I think uh, with 2020 and George Floyd and, and, the, and the summer of love and all that stuff, San Francisco got a lot more attention at that point. And then I understand what happens politically. I understand what happens in the media. San Francisco is one of those cities like L.A. or California in general that uh, it's going to be spoken about from almost purely political perspectives, which means it's going to go in one bucket or another. It's going to go in the blue bucket or the red bucket. And and then I know what I'm going to get when I ask both those sides about San Francisco. I got it when we told people that you were moving there, which is when, I, and you've heard me say this before, and I've said it on the show, that's when I would tell people, interrupt them and say, you remind me of somebody. They'd be like, who do I remind you of? You remind me of Jonah, who had no interest in Nineveh. He didn't give a rip about them and would rather see it fall into the depths of the sea. So my assumption was it's going to be really bad, like generally bad. I'm going to see homeless people all over the place. It's going to be really dirty. And now, you know, Amelia is up in Manhattan. Uh, I see a lot of homeless people in Manhattan. It's, it's exceptionally dirty. But we don't talk about Manhattan in the same way that we talk about San Francisco. San no. Francisco is kind of the epicenter of just <clears throat> it's a convenient location for a lot of political uh, kind of uh, politicizing and bashing what's wrong with blue cities. And generally, San Francisco is going to be right up there with Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it wasn't nearly as bad as I expected to it, it to be. Some areas were. And when you see a group of 200 homeless people down on the main street, Market Street, right downtown, like the epicenter of downtown where you'd have a lot of tourists. I mean, I saw that this time. I didn't see it a year ago. And, and it, it's sad. It's depressing. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of homelessness and parts are really dirty and parts aren't. I didn't think it was any more or less dirty than Manhattan. Manhattan's filthy to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, it totally depends on totally depends on the place. And, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to whitewash the real problems because there are real problems in the city. But the answer is it's complicated. And what do you mean by that? There's a a lot of the issues. I mean, people just kind of talk like they would be the one to step in and solve it. And it's the systems are so complex these days. Um, all of the different factors that contribute to a certain situation. And it's very cute to think that there's simple solutions to some of these things, <laughs> um, but there, there just isn't. People, San Francisco is constantly reforming. It, we know that these are problems. Everybody is talking about the homeless person that was on your doorstep when you tried to go out your front door. That, that makes the news. We're talking about it, but it's not a, it's not a simple fix. No. Uh-uh. Well, yeah, I mean, it's one thing. Everybody, everybody's an armchair quarterback, right, on the right and the left. And <clears throat> it's not a simple fix. It's unbelievably complicated. But, yeah, but that's interesting to hear that. But what are San Franciscans talking about? What are they concerned with? Oh, man, there's so many. There's so many things to be concerned with. Um, yeah, the, the crime, obviously, uh, is something that people are concerned about. It's not violent crime that's at the lowest it's been in 40 years or something um which by the way if you think 
that's bunk. Go look it up. Because I did. That's the challenge when you have a son like Hayden. He's going to throw things at you. He doesn't throw things at you lightly. He's already done his homework. So I have to do my homework. Violent crime is down a lot in San Francisco. Petty crime and larceny is up a lot. Very high. And that leads to the next thing, which is that the, our police are pretty they – don't, they don't do anything. They, they sit around. And, you know, it's funny because there, there's so much talk about the, the defund the police thing and all that. But at the end of the day, people just want to feel safe. And when they see their police sitting around, yeah. that's yeah. – And I asked you why that is. And you, you, the first word that came out of your mouth was demoralized. Yeah. Yeah. Demoralized because of the defund the police movement. And now they back out. Also, and we'll talk about this. Uh, you mentioned this. I didn't even know this. Police in San Francisco aren't required to live in San Francisco. It's yep. an interesting twist. We'll be right back. I hate to re- interrupt a good intro. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. Special guest today, our son, Hayden Noble, who uh, got married. Now it's Mr. and Mrs. Noble. Yes. The incredible Macy. I said that at your wedding. I was always concerned that <clears throat> there would never be anybody uh, as kind-hearted as you. So I was always wondering who you would end up marrying. And then the one person that I've met that's as kind-hearted as you, you married her. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that worked out. Mostly, yeah, that's, that's, that eases over a multitude of sins. Yes, yes, amen to that uh, 100,000 times. And, so, and Macy kind of moved there for the same thing. She had a heart for the city, and she discovered Reality San Francisco. Yep. And then you guys met at a pop-up communion service during yeah. the COVID craziness. One, basically a month after I got there. Which was, and then you found, and this was really, this, all right, so this, we need, you need to share this really quickly because I want to get to the kind of the, this, the, the, the lay of the land spiritually there in San Francisco. But, and Dave Lomas, Pastor Dave, mentioned this during your wedding ceremony, uh, a good little maneuver that you did on social media. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, that's just like people need to pay attention to this and, and probably share it with somebody. Yeah, so. yeah. So I, I was um, casually viewing tons of posts across her various casually, platforms. Yes. And I found out that she really loved Frederick Beekner. And if you have not read Frederick Beekner, that's something that's something that you need to do. If you have a have a soft heart, you will cry constantly. So she's a Frederick Beekner fan. She loves Frederick Beekner, and I had just acquired two uh, books from a local bookstore that were Frederick Beekner, and so I made a point of posting about it mm. when I started reading. And of course, she responded. Of course, and thus the Beekner bait strategy <laughs> was born. <laughs> So, shrewd as vipers, gentle as doves. Yeah, I, although I don't, I, I'm not shrewd as a viper. Maybe like a garden snake. I try to <laughs> clean up the rats and generally be well behaved. That's good. Uh, now, so let's. Uh, all right. So policing and crime. I mean that. That's like when we. I came out there a year ago with Caroline. You're like, I'm like leaving one little thing in the car. And you're like, nope, nope. You got to take everything yeah, with you. Yeah, literally leave nothing. Um, <clears throat> and then you leave your car unlocked at night, right? I don't leave my car unlocked at night. I did that one time and I, I came down and someone had uh, uh, chilled in my car. Slept over, overnight. Over, in overnight your car. Which, I mean, wow. they, they didn't take anything and they left it in pretty good shape. So, <laughs> That's nice. um, you know, Mr. Nice guy. it's just charity. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you do or do not lock your doors at night? I on, do. In the car. I do lock my car doors, but I never leave. You leave nothing in there. Yeah, I left. Okay, so a little secret. I left a few things the day of my wedding in the car, oh. and I was kind of anxiously looking over my shoulder the whole time at it. Wow. Not not during the wedding, yeah, but during the yeah, photo shoot yeah. afterward. So you so. generally don't feel unsafe living in the city. No, no. I mean. At again, night, it's again, different. Again, at night, it's a different thing because yeah. there's not surveillance. I was saying during the break, if you go to the Tenderloin, which is the worst the worst part of the city in terms of homelessness, it's not unsafe during the day. There's tons of people out there who are just in bad shape mm-hmm. and then p- tons of people that are doing fine and they're all walking past each other. It's not concerning. Nobody's going to mess with you. And there is and there's there is a lot of petty crime and a lot of theft. Lots of petty crime and theft. Violent crime is way down. You if you're a CVS instead of a person, <laughs> you might have a bad time. Yeah, I mean, it's unbi- and, and a lot of a business is pulling out of downtown yep. retails and, and just leaving because of all of the larceny. And, yeah, and some, of, some of it is the crime. Um, a lot of it is the fact that downtown was largely made up of tech workers, and so many of them are remote now that there's no – there's no movement on the street to support those businesses. Yes, yeah, like COVID, which killed so many things. And that's another thing. You know, like there there was a whole discussion around a Safeway grocery store that closed on uh-huh. Market Street. And everyone said, it's the crime. And then you turn it turns out that there's a whole bunch of other factors that went into it. And the employees are giving different Well, there's so stories. many people that aren't working downtown anymore. Yeah. And there's a big commercial real estate hole. But it's just – it's much easier to tell a, a fantasy story about the city either uh, – the some sort of liberal idealism or some sort of, sort of liberal dystopia, depending on right. you know, who you ask, who you, right. who you ask. And that's why, you know, I went out there expecting uh, everything that Fox News had told me and I didn't find it to be in as bad a condition as I expected it to be. I, I was pleasantly surprised. It, it, it's it's heartbreaking. Don't get me wrong. It's yeah. heartbreaking. It's a sad situation. Uh but it wasn't as bad as I was expecting. Okay, what's the lay of the land there spiritually? I think this is really fascinating. This is, I, I you know, is it Babylon? <clears throat> I suppose it is. I mean, in America, Christians, actual Christians, are a subculture. In San Francisco, you're a sub sub subculture, maybe. Yeah. So what's it? How do you view San Francisco spiritually? Um, yeah, I mean, there's not there's not a ton of there's not a ton of Christians. Most of the ones that I find are people that grew up in the Midwest or somewhere else, and they're out temporarily mm-hmm. for work. Um, so they'll either kind of hold on to it or abandon it at that point. Um, but, you know, I actually think that the spiritual fabric is a lot healthier among the poorer communities. The people, I mean, I, I have some friends that do work with uh, YWAM on the street and people man wow. they're like showing up in bulk to watch street preachers mm. every i mean people yeah there's a lot more authenticity there um and then you get to like the wealthy sorts of people and it's more like commodified versions of eastern religions or just a general kind of agnostic do whatever you want sort of situation um do you feel like a spiritual outcast there I I don't because I want to talk about reality San Francisco because if you're gonna if you're gonna be in a in a if you're gonna be a, a thriving Christian in San Francisco you the only I think the only way that can work is you have to be in a really strong community based and I mean the the church community based church which has been my impression of reality the times that I've been this is this is a tight group even though he loses a third of the congregation every year because people come and go all yeah. the mining going on instead of farming. 
Yeah. As you said. Yeah. Um, church community is you you do you do need to stick together, but I like for me personally, I don't encounter much resistance to being a Christian at all. It's not like the average person on the street is uh, instantly just hateful of you because you have a cross necklace on or something. So I I don't encounter that. Um, I think most people are uh, either they don't care or they're interested and. Then you start talking, and they're like, "Well, you're different than every other Christian I've ever met." And why do you think they say that? I maybe some people, maybe some of these people have left areas where Christians are really terrible to them, and they flee, and they're refugees in San Francisco. Um, but maybe they just uh, don't actually know any Christians because right. I, I mean, it's I'm, all caricature. I'm not particularly unique within my church community and within the Christian sphere in San Francisco, and it's. It's a pretty tight community. Um, I, Are the I, Christians in San Francisco different than the Christians here in the Bible Belt, so to speak? Uh, they're easier to identify. Why is that? Uh, because it's a little bit more costly. I mean, it's it it's a bit of a, a vibe killer sometimes if you're if you're particularly overtly religious, and so. But again, you know, if you're not a jerk to people, it's all it's all good. Then they're but, surprised. Yeah, but there, <clears throat> there there can be reservations that some people have. Um, but I just. If you do nothing to promote your spiritual well-being, you're not going to improve, and you're certainly not going to stay the same. And I think it's a lot easier where there's a lot of Christian infrastructure, so to speak, mm-hmm. like here in the like South. Here, yeah. yeah, if you just behave like everybody around you, you're still going to be generally Christian behaving in a lot of ways. Um, and over there, you do you do need to make active choices to resist a lot of different things and you don't need to be a jerk about it and you you know it um yeah i suppose that pride month in san francisco is going to be a little more out there than pride month in raleigh it, it is but it's also more of a given like, it just is it, what it's it is. just is what it is there i mean the grocery store by me keeps up the the rainbow flags the whole year you know so it's it's just settled at that point did, and, did, you mentioned when we were driving over here you mentioned first century rome oh yeah well i mean christians in first century rome were just it was just abstaining from the normal stuff you know it was never (laughs) a battleground yeah and it wasn't there was was, no culture war there there was literally impossible it's not a democratic society right right. quasi whatever like we are you know so it's just that was just christians saying i'm not going to do this and i'm not going to do this and i'm not going to do this and People, you know, if you want to kill them for not doing something, that's that's cool. But they seem to be uh, the only ones that are staying when the diseases come mm-hmm, and right. they're providing all these awesome and, benefits. And, and Romans notice that. Yep. They notice. And then. And so did their fellow citizens. Constantine. Yeah, man. 300 years. Three, bing, 300 years. And we take over an empire and we don't have to kill a single person. Imagine that. It worked out. I think it could work again. Yeah, I think it could work again. That's right, the subculture. So, yeah, I want to talk about that. We're coming up on the break again for the final segment. But let's talk about uh, what is what does kingdom business look like out there? Like, like, what's the what's the goal of Reality San Francisco and the Christians that attend? What are you trying to accomplish living in San Francisco? We well, we're we're the body of Christ, and so people don't encounter Christ a lot in san francisco and when someone meets a christian they ought to have encountered christ in that moment Mm -hmm. yeah such a beautiful point we'll unpack that in the final segment talking to hayden noble now it's mr and mrs 
Noble out in San Francisco. Hayden and Macy. Unfortunately, Macy wasn't here on this trip. Next time around, this is Steve Noble. We'll be right back. You can take credit for that one. Yeah. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. The Steve Noble and Hayden Noble Show today. Yes. I stand corrected. It's good to have you here. It's good to be here. Do you have any memories of producing the show for, that was like three years, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I I learned a Starting lot. as a whopping 15, 16, 17. I know. I remember you throwing pens at me when I was distracted. Yeah, so Not, okay, hang on, hang on. Not at me. At the glass. At the glass. Between the two of us. us. Yes. Just yeah. like here, got Josh behind me through yeah. the glass. He was, he was. He but was, Josh doesn't answer the phones. Yes. And you did. Yes. This sometimes. was like tapping the glass instead of skewering the fish. <laughs> yes, exactly. So uh, Hayden would be engaged perhaps with his smartphone and the phones would be ringing. No, I was just so into your content. <laughs> right, right. The phones would be ringing and I'm looking at the screen and the phone's coming in. And it keeps ringing. And nobody's in that keeps ringing. And I look over there and Hayden is distracted and I would throw a pen at the glass. I could actually sense which callers were good. <laughs> Before I picked up, <laughs> excellent. That was good. I saved you a lot of time. That that that's a that was a that was just a sweet time in your dad's life having you there. It was great to be there. What do you mean you learned a lot? They were just. I mean, I don't know if any of your listeners listen to your show, but there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of interesting topics and things things discussed. And I, you're so funny. Um, yeah, I think that actually my upbringing. Uh, here helped me have a lot of empathy uh, and helped helps me to be able to communicate uh, empathy towards other people that mm. that uh, live in California that are just think the South is full of a bunch of Klansmen and that's right. it. <laughs> yes, and and they're wrong about us, and to a certain extent, we're wrong about them. Yeah, but we're also all a little bit right. Correct. That's the challenge. Okay. Uh, so so talk us through in this final segment. I mean what what what's the goal living in California other than your family and Macy and God willing one day you have a family and develop your career but as a Christian and and being at Reality San Francisco like what do you think do you guys think about that I know reality talks about it like what's our role here in San Francisco as a sub subculture of people that are Christ followers stay that's simple. Stay stay in the city and stay in the presence of pain. Um, there's a great quote from Tertullian that I'm just going to paraphrase, but he, he talks about the Christians staying when everyone else mm-hmm. is leaving the city because of disease. All the wealthy diseases. people are bailing out. Right, right. And they're just not going to deal with it. And uh, you're not going to make things better by bailing out. And the reality is you, the pain is just not, not just going to go away. And uh, we as Christians are people that believe that the highest form of righteousness is to absorb the pain and the sins of others and work salvifically in that in that context. And I think that Christians self-denial and acceptance of uh, of pain and suffering and being present to that, I that sort of disposition is what cities like San Francisco need. And I, th- I think that that like that can be, that can be infectious. Are, are, are unbelievers that you've met there, people that you work with surprised that you're there? 
First of all, are they surprised that you're a Christian? Some some people are, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. It is kind of always like a fun, a fun moment, but I try to, I try to be real coy <laughs> about it. You know, I'll, I'll wear my, I, I have a t-shirt on now. That's just a bunch of religious imagery. And so I'll do stuff like that or, yeah. you know, wear, wear a cross and things. Float it out there. Yeah. But I, like I, I have had more productive conversations about Christianity in San Francisco than I have in the whole rest of my life combined, basically. Really? Because people are really interested <laughs> in talking to you. They're really interested in hearing. It's like, hey, what's your thing? Mine is ayahuasca. You know, mine is mine is mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give me a room of people willing to talk. People people want to chat. They're Interesting. super interested. Yeah. Is so, that an urban thing or do you think it's a San Francisco thing? It's, uh, part of it is going to be an urban thing because you're forced to live around a bunch mm-hmm. of other people that are different than yeah, you. And yep. that's one of the blessings of it. Yeah. Um, part of it is an SF thing because at least... Uh, at its truest, most ideal form, San Francisco is about being free to explore uh, who you are. Right, and expo- ex- you know, find the find the truth, culture, the whole nine. Everybody's find what searching. works. Yeah, uh, there's something charitable about that. Yeah. I think, which is good. Well, yeah, we can walk right into that. Yeah, because we we know, even though the lost person doesn't know, we know what they're searching for. Yeah. Uh, they're just looking for love in all the wrong places. So you can't you can't go in and deal with the the schools. You can't you can't deal with the, the same opportunities we have as Christians to engage politically in in North Carolina and the Southeast don't exist there. You can't really get anything done there politically from a from a conservative perspective. That's just not an option. Yeah. Yeah, no, so what do you care that's about? That's not happening. So um, what do Christians care about politically in San Francisco? Well, it's just it's, way more gray. You don't have any. Um, there's not really sides. I mean, there's some people that are just really, I mean, they're just going to choose the most Marxist or the most conservative person yeah. that they can. Uh, but most of the time it's it's issue by issue. And so someone that is my friend on one issue may be someone I disagree with on the next issue. And that means that we have to. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of nuance and it's much harder to otherize people. Are you are you more interested in local issues than national issues? I, so I I am off all social media basically at this point, um, and I have not paid attention to national news in a long time. So, uh, but yeah, I pay very close attention to San Francisco's news. It's stuff that I can actually affect, um, and I've had the pleasure of participating in some campaigns and other other cool stuff and i find a lot of common ground with people but it's it's very nuanced and like i said someone that's your friend on one issue won't be on another right. and that's fine it means that there's a real conversation that you can have but these are like just, local issues these aren't social issues you're not gonna you, you can't you they, can't uh, you're not gonna win any abortion fights out there you're not gonna win any lgbtq fights out there you're not gonna win any what's being taught in the classroom fights out there yeah, no. You just don't have the manpower. No, that's just settled. And yeah. that, that's that's the Rome that's thing. That's the Rome thing. thing. It is what it is. It is what it is. There's not there's yeah. So you can just set that aside. Yeah, it doesn't literally. matter. I literally people don't ask me about anything yeah. like that. They just it doesn't matter. So from a from a church reality San Francisco perspective, what are you guys trying to do to the city? What what kind of what kind of impact are you trying to make? I, yeah, I think it's just modeling Christ well, um, looking out for the good of our neighbors, and like I said earlier, just staying like stick, yeah. This stick is very around. this is very first century Rome esque. Yeah, you keep coming back to the plagues are there. Though it's all it's all going to hell in a handbasket, and most of the people, the rich people, live out with Nancy 
they they come in, they leave, just like the police don't have to live in San Francisco. They live elsewhere. They come in. But, so nobody's really invested. But if the church is there and loving neighbors and loving people well and staying. Yeah. And that's the, that that reliability and permanence is really important. My uh, best friend is a librarian, and he talks about libraries and how that's a place where people can go and they know that they're going to get services and they know that they're going to be treated like a human being. And that sort of infrastructure is, is what churches can, can fill to like as reality SF is, is there, you know, and we, we want the, the neighborhood to know that we want our community to know that. And we uh, like, we want at the individual level for people to know that this person is a Christian. They're, they're there. If I want to talk to someone, if I need consolation, if I have questions, they're there. Do you think this is a good – what effect has it had on you? you? You were raised in a very political home with a very politically active father. And then you go out there in literally politics from a conservative Christian in North Carolina lane doesn't exist. You're back in, in, you're back in first century. It exists, Rome. but it has no power. Right. There's nothing there. So you can't do anything. So, so then it really becomes a matter of setting all that stuff aside and then focusing on individuals and individual contact. And you mentioned the word nuanced because you can't come in there. Like, like I've, I've become much more nuanced later in life than I was 10 years ago, for example. Hopefully you, you would agree with that. Yes. Well, it's been a long fight to get you here. Yeah, thank you very much for your persistence and patience. Um, but, but you strip all that stuff away. I guess my question is, has that been good for your faith when you, you, can't, you can't get involved the same way that we can here. Out there, you really are back in Rome. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really important not to confuse nuance with weakness. Amen. Um, you can try to communicate something in the clearest terms possible uh, without compromising orthodoxy. And, um, you know, there you can I can I can say things to you a lot quicker then I would have to say sure. the same thing to someone in San Francisco. In San Francisco. Um, now, uh, granted, uh, the benefits of nuancing something out can be just as easily experienced by compromising orthodoxy. <laughs> so you can be like, hey, you know, I don't run into any problems. It's like, well, do you disagree with your neighbors about anything? Yeah. And that, so, you know, there's a danger there. And I think some Christians probably experience that side of the spectrum. But for me, I think I have been forced to think a lot more about the things that I believe. Um, I've had to rely a lot more on the Lord. And it's the the loyalty part of faith that I think gets left behind in the face of faith being, uh, I made a decision at one point. Um, that That's continually tested. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. It's, yeah, I know, I know where I stand. How can we pray for you? How can we pray for San Francisco? Uh, man, pray for people to really be the incarnation of Christ in, in the city. That uh, when people uh, encounter Christians, that they say, this is, this is someone that I can rely on. This is someone that is a rock. And that in your character, that they encounter Christ's character. Yeah, yep. An easy on-ramp to the gospel once you get there. I love you. I'm proud of you. Thanks Thank for you. coming in today. You're I, welcome. I feel all the same Amen. about you. This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again real soon. And like my dad, his granddad, always used to say, ever, ever forward. forward. 
another program powered by the Truth Network.